Today we're going to talk about just searching for happiness. And what does that really mean? Because the world tends to tell us that they have certain things that will make us happy. Well, we know that's not true because there's a lot of unhappy people out there. Amen? I was thinking about, as I was preparing for this message, I was thinking about uh, uh, things that go on. It reminded me the Christmas parade was going on, and, and I'd heard about a mayor of a town. He had his wife in a car. They were sitting up on the seat, and they were going through the Christmas parade, and everybody was cheering the mayor. They all liked him and, and everything. And as they were driving along, the mayor looked over, and he saw one of his wife's old boyfriends. And he didn't amount to much, and he looked over at his wife, and he said, Honey, well, look, there's such and such. Oh, aren't you glad you didn't marry him? You wouldn't be married to the mayor if you'd have married him. And she looked at him real serious, and she said, If I would have married him, he'd be sitting in this car with me, and he'd be mayor. <laughs> now, there's a lot of truth in that, ladies. There's a lot of truth in that. So you got to remember, you just got to know and trust the Lord. Amen? So searching for happiness. So I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 3. And I'll read through these first 12 verses here. It says, blessed are those, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We're going to look at that today. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account? Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So, Lord Jesus, I just pray you just allow us to open up our hearts and allow your wisdom to come in. Let your word be planted deep. Allow us to take your word and to become more fruitful because of this message today, and we ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said amen. So I want you to answer this on your outline today. What would make you happy? So just write down there, what comes to your mind, first of all? What will make you happy? And that's a deep question when you really think about it. I pondered that all week, and I thought, Lord, what is it that people are looking for that's going to make them happy? What would make you happy? So just write a little thing. If there's something that comes to your mind, just write that down there, what it is that will make you happy. A lot of people believe that it's money. People believe it's relationships, advancing in career, health, pleasures, etc. But that's a really deep question. What is it that will make you happy? They did a poll in America of 52,000 people. And they asked them that same question, what would make you happy? One of the things that came at the top was good relationships. Good relationships. Another was advancing in career, health, pleasure, a good social life, friends, recognition, success, sex, personal growth, Plenty of finances, a house, being attractive, parent, that must have been having better parents, religion or recreation. All those things are exterior things. And you know what? They will not make you happy. And the Bible says that even when it comes to sin, it is fun for a season. But then that season comes to an end. We've got to understand that we have grown up in a nation that really focuses on exterior freedoms and fun. And we think that's going to be the thing. You know, you get with a group of guys, you're like, how you doing? What's your name? What do you do? 
well, you know, I own this business or I work in this factory or, uh, you, know, you know, they're always measuring people by what they do. And ladies, you know, it's about, well, I, I have this and I live here and I do this. And I mean, we have all these weird shows about wives of Atlanta and wives of whatever. And, uh, and, and have you noticed, I have not really ever watched one episode, but when they show little clips as they're running the commercials, they don't seem to be very happy. You can have a lot and still not be happy, amen? And so we have to be real careful with what we put before us and what we really focus on. You know, I, I saw that commercial, and it was for a, uh, uh, a gun manufacturer, and then, the, you know, this guy's got a business, and he's got all kinds of stuff, and, and the, he asked his wife, his wife asked him, she goes, Honey, how many guns are enough? And he says, just one more. You know, that's, that's kind of the way people are today. If I just had one more piece of property, if I just had one more business deal, if I just had one more wife, no, I don't hear him saying that. If I, if, if I just had one more husband, no, they don't say that. If, if I just had different parents, all these things, thinking that that's going to bring them happiness. And you know what? It doesn't. It really doesn't. It's sad. Um, I know people that live for their next vacation. Isn't that sad? I know people that live for the weekend. I think that's pathetic. If that's all you've got to live for is the weekend, there's more to life than a weekend. Come on now. There's more to life than a vacation. I see a lot of people, well, if I get to go here or I get to do this, you know what? How many times have you been on vacation and you think you want to move there? Because you're relaxed, you're not thinking about anything else. But if you move there, those same problems would follow you. It's the truth. I was telling my brother, he told me, when I retire, wake him up there. Okay, yeah. When I retire, he said, he said, I'm moving to Tennessee. I said, you are? Yeah, I'm moving to Tennessee. That's where it's at, man. My dad, when we'd cross the Tennessee line, he'd say, take a deep breath, boys. The air's better here. We'd have a bologna sandwich. Doesn't that bologna taste better than it does in Indiana? We're like, sure, Dad. Okay, yeah. And, uh, but uh, I said, you know what? When you get down to Tennessee, you're going to be just as bored down there as you were here. And you're going to find people with problems there. And you're going to find struggles. It's not about the exterior things. It's about your heart. Happiness is found in the heart. Come on now. You know, because so many of us are trying to change our spouses. And we're letting them know what they need to do. You know, and today, really, this message is on humility. It's on humility. And I was, I, I was thinking about my wife is hard to shop for. And, and I decided, you know, I would take her out to let her tell me what she would like for Christmas. But, but then I thought, no, I'm just going to wrap a present. And I put a bow in there. And I said, the best gift you can ever get. And I put me. And then the Holy Spirit convicted me before I sealed it up, and he said, that's not very humble. I said, you're right, Lord. I am sorry. So what I did was I left the bow in there, and I put in there a message, the best gift is Jesus and me. I felt a whole lot better, you know, that I put the Lord in there. And uh, I know she's going to love that gift. But we've got to understand that the Lord wants to change our hearts. He's a heart changer. What you think is a mountain today will be a molehill in another year. But these trials that come, I talked about it last week, they make us stronger. It gives us a greater testimony to share with others what he's doing in our lives. So the very first point today is the popular ideal of happiness is having the right circumstances. Having the right circumstances so I want to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And uh, the first verse there says, I said in my heart, come now. I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this is also vanity. Oh, my gosh. Let me read some of Ecclesiastes 2. I said to my heart, come now. I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. But behold, this also was vanity. I searched with my heart how to cheer 
My body with wine, my heart still guided me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for children of man to do under, heaven circum under heavenly circumstances. I made great works. I built houses. I planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves that were born in my house. I also had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I gathered for myself silver and gold and treasure of kings and providences. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of my sons of man. I, so I became great and surpassed all those who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me, and whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep it from them. I kept my heart for no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil. And this was my reward for all my toil. Then I considered all that my hands had done and the toil I experienced. I expended in doing it, and behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind. And there was nothing to be gained under the sun, so I turned to consider wisdom and madness and folly. For what can man do who comes after the king? Only what has already been done. So I hated life because what is done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and a striving after the wind. This is Solomon who had everything. He had more wives, more concubines. I won't even go there. He, he denied himself no riches, nothing that he wanted. People came from all over the world to get his wisdom, and he said it was all vanity. It was a striving after the wind. In other words, things and people do not make you happy. Positions do not make you happy. And here we are entering into the Christmas season, and so many people are thinking, well, if I get this for Christmas, or if I get that, or if I'm able to do this, or if I'm able to go there, I'm just going to have more joy. Maybe temporary, but it won't be long-lasting. It won't be long-lasting. Look at the second, under the first point there, dead ends. Dead ends out of Ecclesiastes here, accumulating things. I bought male and female slaves and had slaves who were born in my house. And at that time, they, they had slaves. We don't have them today, thank the Lord, at least in our country. I had great possessions of herds and flocks more than any who had been before me in Jerusalem. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and treasure of kings and provinces. I got singers, both men and women, and many concubines, the delight of the sons of man. He accumulated things, but it didn't bring him happiness. How many of us are striving after the next house, the next car, the next motorcycle, The next facelift, I don't know. The next weight losing program. I know people that are killing their bodies. They're working out so much. Trying to maintain their weight and they're just killing themselves. I know people that are working out so much and they have so many muscles, but someday that muscle is going to fall. I'm not against working out, and I'm not, but I'm just telling you, don't make it an idol. Come on now. Your looks are going to slide down slowly, for some of you very fast. <laughs> Gravity is going to affect your body. Come on now. Energy levels are not what they used to be, Amen. Because of what's going on in our world and the stress that we put upon ourselves, accumulating things, the second point under dead ends, experiencing pleasure. Experiencing pleasures. Verse 3, 
I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly, till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. Then verse 10, under experiencing pleasures. And whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil. And this was my reward for all my toil. You see, not only is it not in things, it's not in experiencing pleasures. I can enjoy life, I can enjoy the things of life, but I don't allow those things to become my God. Nor do I look for those things to bring me happiness. You know what I have found? The more you own, the more you have to maintain. Come on now. You know, I have two acres that I live on, and I used to enjoy mowing, and I got a really fast mower, but the older I get, the less I like mowing. And, uh, and I get out there, and when we have a really good year and we've had a lot of rain, I really don't like mowing as much because that grass is growing. And the first year, I mowed the church yard, and I was out here mowing this 30 acres, and I'm like, I really hate mowing now. And when I had Adam and Taylor out there mowing, they hated it worse than I did. Adam would walk in, oh, oh, he cracks me up. Aren't you glad that things are not your source? Nor are people, amen? God uses people, but they're not your source. And then look at the third thing, another dead end to having the popular ideal of happiness is achieving success. Achieving success. Well, you know, if I were a speaker and I was able to speak to so many thousands or, if, or if, if people looked at me and realized I was the best businessman or the best realtor or, or the best doctor or the best dentist or the best, you know, achieving success, that's a nice thing, but that won't bring you happiness. Because when you retire, within 18 months, most people will forget about you. That's true. Can I say that again? Once you retire, the, when, when I leave Church Alive in retirement and that new young guy comes along, whoever that may be, and they're just on fire for Jesus, you're going to forget about old Owen. But I won't be sad. I'll be saying, good luck, brother. <laughs> Carry on. Hello fishing, hello hunting, hello golfing. No more chores for my wife. It'll be a new day, a new day. That won't bring me eternal happiness. But you see, the peace within knowing that I did what God told me to do for the amount of time God wanted me to do, the obedience to God brings peace. It brings peace. So accumulating these things, experiencing pleasures, achieving success. He says there in verse 4, I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I want to pause there. Some people do this when you're young, but I notice that as people get older, they enjoy trees more and flowers and plants. Now, some people enjoy it young, but... A lot more people, have you, you go to their house, Owen, have you checked out my pear tree? Huh? Come out here, I want to show you my pear trees. Oh, wow. <laughs> have you seen my apple trees? Oh, wow. And, uh, and, and don't get me wrong, it's something they're really um, happy about, but it's, it's amazing how things change as we get older. And it's kind of funny. Achieving success. But I got to go back to Ecclesiastes 2.17. What does he say? So I hated life. This is the wisest man that ever lived. I hated life. What's that tell you? You can have all kinds of wisdom and still not be happy. 
Our only joy is found in Jesus, church. It's only found in Jesus. It doesn't mean that we're not going to toil, we're not going to build, and we're not going to labor, and we're not going to enjoy some things, but real contentment and humility is found in the Lord. It's found in the Lord. So I hated life because what was done under the sun was grievous to me, for all is vanity and the striving and a striving after the wind. Just blows me away. Always vanity. So we have to be real careful as we look at these things. You know, if you solve all your problem or people come come along and they help you with your problems and they help you solve, you're still not going to be happy. Let me help you out. Having children will not make you happy. It'll keep you in debt. I was listening to a, a guy talk about um, former President Barack Obama. And, you know, if you ever listened to President Obama talk, you would think he was very poor. His high school that he attended in Hawaii was $45,000 a year that he attended. His stepfather was one of the ten richest men in the world. He left him a third of his inheritance. And so you listen to some of these people talk, and it shows a picture of former George, President Bush with his arm around eight-year-old Barack Obama because they were connected with the Bushes. It's amazing what goes on in our country and what's being portrayed at times for us to think they're just like us. No, they're very, very wealthy. As a matter of fact, in 2018, after taxes and everything, President Barack Obama made $570 million after taxes. Don't feel bad for these guys. But you know what? You can consider them a leader like Solomon, and deep down inside, they're just as unhappy as he was because things don't make you happy. It's only Jesus. It's only Jesus. We've got to be able to do that. Look at the second point today is God's way to happiness. God's way to happiness. It starts with having the right attitude and perspective. You have to have the right attitude and perspective. Have you ever been around that person and they are an Eeyore in life? Woe is me. There are always one or two of them in a family. Or one of your children's a little Eeyore. They're always being left out. They didn't get it. And Eeyores can really bring you down. They're kind of the people you don't want to hang with, okay? By the way, who you hang with is who you become. You want a better marriage? Hang with people that have a great marriage. You want to be a better businessman? Find a very successful businessman and learn what he's doing. You know, you want to be a better mother? Find mothers that are doing a great job and their kids are turning out fantastic. Go meet with them. Have lunch with them. Hang with them. Those are the people. But be careful of yours. Oh, my gosh. Their tail's falling off. They're, they're just full of gloom and doom. Be careful. God's way to happiness starts with having the right attitude and the right perspective. That's why we have, to, we have to understand how important that is as we look at Scripture, as we look at all the things that God has done for us. I am amazed when I get around the right people how my attitude can change. They encourage me. They build me up. I remember when I first started playing golf, and I wasn't very good, and all I wanted to do was see how far I could hit it. That's all golf was to me. But I started playing with guys that were much better than me. And I started asking them questions and letting them help me, and I started learning about the golf game and understanding that there's technique to it. Because I see these little thin guys driving the ball so far, and I'm like, how do they do that? 
And it was all about the swing. And I remember I went to a, 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 a place where they train you. It's like a little golf training center. And I let them analyze my swing. And they said, in order for you to be a better golfer, we've got to totally deconstruct your swing and start you over. I'm like, are you serious? He goes, oh, we're serious. You're doing everything the wrong way. I'm like, wow. Are you open to instruction? Are you open to changing things? That's what you have to understand. Our happiness is not determined by what's happening around me, rather by what that, it's really determined by what's happening in you. Some of you believe your happiness is based on your spouse. Oh, my goodness. I love my wife to the moon and back, but I'm not going to allow my happiness to be based on my wife. Amen? Nor do I want her happiness based on me. It should be based on Jesus and the changes. And God has brought her in my life to make me a better man. And she does a great job. Look at the results. She has trained me well and is still in the training program. If you only saw what she did to me at home, oh, my goodness. But she's done a fantastic job. It's not what you own or possess, but who we are. Look at your neighbor and say, it's about who you are. Tell them that. It's about who you are. But we fight this daily because we've grown up in the land of plenty. America is a very blessed nation. I mean, our poorest are still richer than some of, most of the people in third world nations. That's why when my children were growing up, I told every, each one of them, I said, you will go on a missions trip out of this country. Now, my son will never go on another one. Because I sent him to Haiti, and he got sick. Oh, he got sick. You mentioned missions, and he's like, that's for somebody else. But they all learned a valuable lesson that America is so blessed, and God puts you here to be able to help those that are less fortunate. And my children are all givers. But they all went on missions trips. It was required in my house. You'll go on one. And Shaloy and I have been on many. I remember being in Jamaica. You think, oh, Jamaica. No, it wasn't that kind of trip. Ocho Rios one day was really nice, but the rest of Jamaica is dirty and tough. And bed bugs attacked our group where we were staying. And, and the shower in the morning, there was 85 of us in this massive house. And if you got three drops of water coming out of that shower, because the hotels that we were going to stay in when we got there, they raised the prices way up after we got there and we couldn't afford to go in. So we had to find this big house. And it was a long 10 days. Temperatures in the 90s and we're outdoors. We're in soccer fields. We're in schools. I preached in so many schools. And it was so hot, and we were exhausted, and we were sweating. And, and some of the ladies in our group, they got upset at me. Why did you bring us to this place? And I said, this has never been about you. This is about Jesus and leading people to Christ. And that week, the 85 of us throughout Jamaica, at the end, over 10,000 decisions were made for Jesus. 10,000. And at the end of that week, those ladies were like, man, we're sorry for being so upset at you because they didn't like where we were staying and it was beyond my control. But when they saw the results of people weeping and crying, and I remember one night we were going to a soccer field and it came just a downpour. And the roads were muddy and everything. And I told our guys, I said, we're not going to go. I said, it's just, it's too muddy. There's too much rain. And the rain stopped. And the missionary called me. 
And he said, where are you? I said, we're back at the church. He said, what are you doing, Owen? There are people gathered on the soccer field waiting for you to come. They're out there. They've been standing in the rain. I'm like, come on, guys, we got to go. And people gave their, their lives to the Lord that night. But it was work. I think we all lost 10 to 15 pounds that week. But I didn't complain because I knew that I wasn't there for me. I was there to further the kingdom of God. And the lady in charge there, Sister Wadini, from Antioch, Assembly of God. Everywhere I'd go, I'd get ready to preach, and she'd say, you preached the message you preached yesterday. Yes, ma'am. And she took me into 17 schools, and every time I got ready to preach, she goes, you preached the message you preached yesterday. So I kept preaching the same message, and I'm looking at our group that's with me, the 15 that were with me, and they are mouthing the words to my message because they've heard it so much. And we're doing puppets out there, and we're doing concerts. But God used that to change their lives. It's about our heart. It's about our heart. And we all fight things trying to make us happy. Amen? This Christmas, don't make it about you. Amen? Make it about others. Even in the family, just bless them. And I'm not talking about with things. I mean, bless them with your prayers and your love. I drive around. Many times I put all kinds of miles on my car because I drive all the time praying for our city. I drive through different streets. I drive around and I pray for churches and I pray for people and I call them out. I say, God, just bless them. Help them. Lord, we need revival. I'll be up at... 5.30, 6 o'clock on Sunday morning, I'll get ready, and by, by quarter till 7, I'm out, and I just go drive for an hour and a half and just pray. Not for me, not for my message, I'm just praying for people. And I drive by houses, and I say, Lord, just bless that family, whoever's there. We can make a difference, amen? And man, that brings me more joy than anything else, and when I miss that, I am bummed. That he didn't get to pray for him. So we want to do that. We want to pray for him. But let's look at that having the right attitude. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed means happy. It's what it actually means. Happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. If you've lost somebody, or, or you're struggling with your health, or, or your family's just been under it, and you're just mourning through this, remember, God is with you. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Amen? And our heavenly home is our final destination, and we get to be with them. We get to be with them. I remember I was talking to Dwayne about losing Connie. And they've been married all those years, and I don't know how she put up with an old farmer out there doing all the stuff he does. And he tries to be funny. Oh, I'm sure she got tired of his jokes. Just kind of like Shaloy does mine. But he was telling me they had lost a baby one time. And I said, Dwayne, she's in heaven with that child. That's how good God is. That's how good God is. A miscarriage. He loves us so much, they're just waiting for us. I can't wait to get to heaven. It's not going to be the same when I get there. I'm going to have so much fun. Listen, if heaven is floating on a cloud and eating grapes, I don't want to go. I'm like, God, give me a job. What do you want me to do? Adam and Eve had jobs in the garden. Lord, if there's some constellation 
some universe, some, some place that you've got something going on and you need me, send me. And I'm serious. Having that inner peace knowing that God is with me, there's nothing greater, amen? There's nothing I need on this earth, no place I need to go, nobody I need to meet. Whenever God is done with me, I'm ready. How many don't want to linger, amen? Now, if you're 16 or 17, you're saying, now, wait a minute, Pastor Owen. I need to get my license. <laughs> and then you get your license, and then you I need to get out of high school. Or I need to get a job, or you get a job, or you go on to college. I need to get my degree. And then you say, I need to get married. Pastor Owen, I don't want to go before I get married. You're just young and silly. But I need children. Once you have children, they never leave you. Even with grandchildren, they're always in your life and great-grandchildren. It's always there. You never stop being a parent. Somebody say amen. amen. And you think you're not going to have expenses? Oh, my gosh. I asked my wife this week, I said, when do we stop buying gifts for adult children? She said, not this year. <laughs> Listen, write this down. Happiness is a choice. Happiness is a choice. We tend to take God for granted. We tend to take our blessings for granted. It's a choice. And life can be tough, amen? And trials will come, amen? And losses will happen and storms will, will come against you. The key is what's inside of you is going to come out during that time. How are you going to respond? If it truly is all his and you keep it with an open hand, it's not going to matter. But if you tighten your hand around people, things, positions, God has a way of peeling off your fingers. Amen? Look at number three there. The first step of happiness is being humble. Is being humble. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Poor in spirit. Does that mean low self-esteem? No, 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 no. Poor in spirit means to depend on God, not ourselves. It's humility. I cannot, but God by his spirit can. I cannot, but God by his spirit can. We are to remain humble. Doesn't mean we can't laugh and have joy. We were watching our two, two of our grandsons last night, and, and the little one, He's one year old, Elliot. As soon as he saw me, man, he's crawling. He crawls up, pulls himself up, and he opens up his arms. And I just put him on my shoulder, and he's just snuggling in, and then I felt those four little teeth <laughs> dig into my shoulder, and I'm like, no, Elliot, no, no. <laughs> and then his big brother comes along and says, baby, no, baby, no. And a little bit later, his big brother, who's three, Emerson, gets up in my lap, and he's just kind of tucking in there, and I'm scratching his back. And, and I said, I love you so much, Emerson. He's like, I love you too, Happy. You stay and play with me. What he was saying, don't play with my brother. You play with me. Sometimes we just got to crawl up in the father's lap. And just let him know that we love him too. Because he loves us so much. He loves us so much. We remain humble. You see, you're not a God and you've not arrived. Amen? Neither have I. We're not out there for all to behold. Now, I can do a lot of jokes with my wife and stuff. And, and some of the ladies can get upset. But I really love her to death. And she lacks for nothing. 
because I'll do whatever I can to help her in any way because I love her that much. Is that not our goal? To love her as Christ loved the church, to love your spouse, to do that? The opposite of poor in spirit is arrogance. You cannot be arrogant or prideful and be happy. Can I say that again? You cannot be arrogant or prideful and be happy. The Good News Translation says, Happy are those who know they are spiritually poor. Happy are those who know they are spiritually poor. One translation says, happy are the humble in spirit. The humble in spirit. Why are we arguing at the house all the time when we should just turn the other cheek, pray for them, and love them? Amen? People go through stuff. They go through seasons. We don't see the pressure they're under. Ladies, you may not see the pressure they're under at work. Or guys, you may not see the pressure they're under at work or at home or the things that are building or their health changing or not feeling good. You know, when people are not feeling good in their health, they can be tough to live with. We've just got to pray and encourage them. You see, humility increases our happiness. Humble people have less stress. They don't have to have all the answers. The world does not depend on humble people. And humble people realize that they can't fix people. Somebody say amen. There's always a fixer in the family. They're going to fix everybody. You need to da-da-da-da, and then you need to da-da-da-da-da, the fixers. We need to take on humility. And I've learned you don't have to fake it. To make it. Amen? You don't have to play God. I was young in the ministry, and I remember I would go to these ministerial meetings, and, and there would be three or four hundred pastors there, and some of these guys would get up, they'd say, brother, come up and lead us in prayer, and all of a sudden it was like the King James Version just comes out of their mouth. Almightyeth Godeth, theeth I loveth. So I went to this guy who I knew who was in Covington, and I said, Pastor, yeah, whenever I talk with you, you don't talk like that. I said, you don't have to pray like that. Just pray. Pray normal. Be you. But it, it's amazing how we try to fake things for people. Amen? You ever walked up somebody and they struggle with cigarettes, and, and you're the pastor, and you walk up, and they're like... Brother, I'm like, man, don't do that. Just be you. I walked into a movie theater, and, and it was some special type of theater, and I walked in, and I saw a guy, and he had a beard. He went, pff, pff. I told my wife you would be here tonight probably and see me drinking. I'm not your judge. I'm just telling you, be real. Amen? Just be who you are. There are certain people, if I go to their house, they're not going to change. I know that. I can go to Pat Griswold's house, and Pat's going to be Pat no matter what. <laughs> Don't try to be something you're not. Be real. Be humble. The thing here is less stress. Humility helps us understand that we're not people's savior. Nor, I can, nor can I feel guilty because some people have made decisions and there are lots in life and the road they're on is because of the decisions they made and I can't change that. And I've learned to love them in spite of that, but I realize I can't fix them. I can guide them, point them to the word, but that's going to be between them and God. And man, that just takes a load off me. And I have found that arrogant people and prideful people, they're not people I'm going to hang with. Because I like humble people. 
because they're easy to get along with. As a matter of fact, arrogant people can become a pain in the blessed assurance. <laughs> they're not happy with themselves, and so they're going to make somebody unhappy that night. And here, I want you to hear this before we close today. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's knowing who you are in Christ and remaining humble. It's not thinking less of yourself. But what it really is, is not thinking less, but thinking more of others. Have you ever been around a mom and, and there may not be enough food on the table and, and that, that mom or that grandma who's prepared it, don't worry, don't worry, here, take this, and they'll deny themselves in order to make sure everybody else gets something. That's humility. That's what we're to practice. That's what God has for us. St. Francis, a monk, when he received compliments, this is a true story, he would go to other monks after he received all these compliments for what he was doing, and he would say, tell me all the bad stuff about myself. And the monks would tell him all the bad stuff to keep him humble. And I thought, I pondered that. I thought, how can that be true? Why would a guy do that? To remain humble, have other people just tell you all the bad stuff because you've been complimented. And then I realized he was a monk. He was never married. If he went home, his wife would straighten him out. Our heavenly sandpaper could live in our own homes. Stand with me this morning. God uses the humble, amen? So searching for happiness, the first step is remaining humble. Accumulating things, having the right circumstances, experiencing pleasures, achieving success, that's not going to bring happiness. It's having the right inner attitude. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads this morning. I think in James 4, 6, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And I can have fun up here and joke, but that's my prayer. Jesus, keep me humble. Keep me humble. I had one of our seniors come to me before the service today and he said man I had this dream about church alive and in this dream Owen there were so many people waiting to get in here during services they were waiting outside because we had no room I'm like hey whatever God wants whatever God wants because I'm not in building a big church I just want to build the kingdom of God And then John 13, 17 says, you know these things. Blessed are those if you go do these things. So with your heads bowed, the secret of strength is admitting your weakness. The secret of power is admitting helplessness. The secret to happiness is admitting humility and walking in it. Stay dependent upon God. Scripture told us this morning that there's a promise that the kingdom of heaven is ours. All that Jesus has, he's offered us. With heads bowed, nobody looking around. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior this morning, and you'd like to receive him and start life anew and afresh and say, I want I want that blessed assurance of knowing who I am in Christ, and I want that inner peace and happiness. Would you lift your hand and say, remember me in prayer, Owen, that's me. I want to receive Christ this morning. I don't want to miss anybody. Yes, I see that hand. Anybody else? I want to receive Christ. That's me. Anybody else? Yes, I see that hand. You can put them down. Anybody else? That is so cool. Yes, yes, I see that hand. It's amazing, every week people are coming to know Jesus. 
Heaven's rejoicing right now. Christians are praying for you as you've lifted your hand, or maybe you haven't lifted it yet. Anybody else remember me in prayer? You're just making a statement to God, I want you first. Anybody else? Yes. Yes. Thank you, Lord. If you're watching by live stream or listening to this later on in the car or at home, you can receive Christ. I want everybody to say this prayer with me. If you lifted your hand, even if you didn't, you can ask Christ in today. Pastor Taylor will be up here. You can come and see him after the service. He'll get you a Bible. If you don't have, we have some information he'll get you. It's the best thing you're going to do. It's amazing what God can do through you. He's got a bigger plan than you can ever imagine. Say this prayer with me, everybody. Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. You're the Son of God. You lived a perfect life. You went to the cross for my sins. You died, then you rose from the grave so that I can have forgiveness. Forgive me, Jesus. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. Give me a hunger for your word, the Bible. Help me to fellowship with believers and to be an overcomer when it comes to temptation. In Jesus' name. I just want to pray for everybody, but you say, oh, I've really struggled with happiness. I thought it's been my relationship, my marriage, my children, my parents, my job, my schooling, my position, my business. I, I've got things out of focus. Not going to embarrass you by having you come forward, but I really have gotten the priorities off, and humility has not been what I've been living. And I'm realizing today that it's got to come from within. It's Jesus and the Holy Spirit on the inside. Just remember me in prayer. Nobody looking around. If that's you, would you just lift your hand up and say, remember me in prayer? A lot of hands. A lot of hands. Anybody else remember me too? Jesus, we pray for all these hands. All those watching. Happiness comes from you. It's that contentment and knowing that we know you. And you're a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Help these that lifted their hand to grow deeper in you. Help us, Lord, to be all that you want us to be. Guide us, strengthen us, and give us a week. And let this Christmas season be a season where we are looking beyond our problem to help somebody else. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.